Do you really want your company to stand out in the crowded digital space? Do you want to get more people to know, like, and trust you with your story? Authentic Web Video Marketing Agency can help you to collect those stories, the stories that sell, connect the stories to the situation, produce the videos that you need in each of the situations, and then use the latest techniques, including video ads, retargeting, and email to deliver those video stories. Authentic Web is the video production and marketing agency trusted by top marketers to help their story stand out in a crowded space. Visit AuthenticWeb.media to learn more. In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Is this thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here, and today we have a legendary negotiator. Uh, wrote what I think is the best book on negotiating, Never Split the Difference. He's the founder of the Black Swan Group and was one of the FBI's top hostage negotiators. Chris Voss, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's, uh, it's very cool to be on with you. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I, I'd like to l- learn a little bit more about, you know, if anyone wants to hear about who you are and your background, I think the book is a great background. Um, but how did you go about deciding that you wanted to go out there and teach hostage negotiation or teach negotiation? I'm sorry. Well, you know, um, teaching was always part of being a hostage negotiator anyway. We put uh, within the for our negotiators to be better, we we wanted to, wanted to teach because if you really want to learn something, try teaching it to somebody else. Yes. So, but in the process of being a hostage negotiator, um, you know, I we want I wanted us to get better, and I felt like that we were getting all the information from inside because we, we didn't go bad and it, it didn't turn out the way I expected. I thought we were going to get hostages out, and they didn't come out and. I talk about it in the book, and unfortunately, they were killed by a friendly fire in a botched rescue attempt. So um, I decided, look, we gotta, if, if this is as good as we could do, we need another source of information. So I went to the Harvard guys and said, hey, look, you guys want to collaborate with a hostage negotiator? Let's talk. And uh, they were interested, invited me up, welcomed me with open arms. And after I'd uh, been going through the, I went through the class at the law school, the Harvard Law School. I'm the only FBI agent to, uh, on board to ever go through as a as a an FBI agent and not as a student. And um, after I went through, they were like, "Hey, look, you, you got to understand, you're doing the same stuff we are. You just you get more interesting stories, but it's exactly the same dynamics." And that was really the start of me knowing how powerful this stuff is, just for business and everyday life. Yeah. And you do. You have so many interesting stories. And that's one of the things I love about the book, too, because it's not just dry, technical, like this, do this, do this. It's just fantastic stories. Um, Is that how you teach negotiation as well? 
Yeah, you know, we got to, it's got to be enjoyable. It's got to be a little bit fun um, in order to get, people have to enjoy learning it and also enjoy doing it. Um, you know, negotiation doesn't need to be a painful process. It could get, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit pro- protective, a little bit uh, contentious on occasion, but it, it doesn't have to be that way all the time. So, yeah, we, you know, we teach so it's interesting. And, and also in regards to the book, I appreciate you saying that, um, you know, my co-author, Tal Roz, I mean, that guy could write, if he wrote a greeting card, you should read it. I mean, he, <laughs> he uh, I brought him in. Because he's a great business book writer, collaborating with me is not the only business uh, book he's ever done. Uh, he's also co-author of another one of the best all-time business books, Never Never Eat Alone. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, you know, Tall's a great writer, and Tall uh, Tall helped me put together a fantastic book. It is, it's awesome, and um, you know, there's so much I learned from it, and so much I think we can learn from it on the marketing side. It, I love your story about negotiating how to get the best price on a car. And I want to talk about that later. And also I think the the big thing is the two most important words in negotiations. And I want to get to that at, towards the end, but right now, you know, I, I, one of the things that really got to me was how much negotiation is like marketing because you're trying to get persuade someone, but like you said, it doesn't have to be painful. So how do you make it? So negotiation is not painful. Well, the, you know, there are tremendous mercenary advantages to be gained from letting the other side say what's on their mind. Yeah, you know, I love, for me, a great negotiation skill is uh, mercenaries like it and missionaries like it. You know, I'm not trying to pound my position down your throat. I actually want to hear what you have to say. There's, there's a really good chance that you're going to say something that I want anyway, so I might as well let you go first. I mean, it just makes me smarter. And that immediately takes most of the pain out of negotiation because most people, you know, they're so determined to have their say. Two people are just sort of battling it out, trying to make their points, make their arguments. I mean, I hate it when somebody talks about making a negotiation argument. You know, you can you can win the argument and lose the deal. So um, as soon as you take arguing out of it, then it's not it takes 90 percent of the pain out of it. That's such a good point, too. And I think, once again, same thing in marketing. It's not necessarily about persuading someone as, as much as listening to them what they need and giving them what they need and also finding those critical words. Um, and you have a lot of techniques that you've developed over the years. I, you said at the beginning, but I think it's important to know that you didn't just always use one technique, that you're always improving and testing and testing. Now, in marketing, we can just test, right? And no one's going to die. But in hostage negotiations, it's pretty scary. How did you prepare to test some of these negotiation tactics? Well, um, I spent a lot of time on a suicide hotline, and I got great training there to begin with. So I came to learn a great process. And I also learned that any communication, it's never going to be any one thing that makes it go bad. You know, the straw that broke the camel's back, the straw in and of itself um, didn't break the camel's back. So if you understand that if you've got a good process, um, you get a little bit of latitude, you're going to make mistakes. It's impossible to be perfect. And as long as you treat the other side with respect and appreciation, their tolerance of your mistakes is ridiculously high. So as long as we were respectful and appreciative, 
Um, and you can do that to anybody. I mean, you, it just doesn't have to be people you like. If you're respectful of people that haven't earned that respect yet, it actually gives you great strategic advantage and gives you a lot of latitude for mistakes. Mm, that, I love that because most people think they go into negotiation. Like you said, it's about pounding them down. But you're, you're, it's, a, it's a very open, receptive, allowing them to wash over you and listen to it. Uh, when you would review and, and try and figure out how to develop the next step, how to figure out what went wrong and what went right, when you were listening to that, try and make yourself better, what were you looking for to improve yourself? Well, ideas from outside influences, uh, you know, a big outside business influence for me early on was a business book called um, Start With No, uh, written by a guy who became a friend, Jim Camp. Uh, Jim died about two years ago, and I'm still collaborating with his company because, you know, we resonate on a lot of levels. Um, so then I ran, I ran across, and what I found in that book was they were very, Jim was very big into what uh, we in my company now call calibrated questions. Most people just call them open-ended questions. Um, Jim called them interrogative questions because, you know, they're the, the questions to interrogate a situation like, you know, what, how, who, what, where, how, and why. And when I saw that, you know, there was a lot of overlap on those types of questions, I started looking harder at what Jim was talking about. Now I'm listening for it. And um, actually, uh, there was a kidnapping in Pittsburgh. A uh, drug dealer's girlfriend gets grabbed by another drug dealer. And the the victim drug dealer, if that's not a contradiction in terms. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the good guy, bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good guy, bad guy. <laughs> or the innocent, yeah, the innocent, bad guy, whatever. Uh, you know, he uh, he asked the uh, kidnapper on the other side, simple opening question. They were, they were struggling over uh, what... Well, a professional negotiator would call proof of life. And proof of life had been an issue in the kidnapping where people previously got killed. Um, we knew the victims were alive, so we never went for proof of life. That's why we never brought it up. But in a Pittsburgh kidnapping, the, uh, the drug dealer whose girlfriend was grabbed, he asked the kidnapper, he literally says to him on the phone, hey, dog, how do I know she's all right? Which is the how question, um, and seems deferential, which is one of the great things about a how question. And I and I listened, and the, the kidnapper on the other side just hesitated for a moment. When he started talking again, his his voice had completely changed from being the guy that was in command to now the guy that was kind of responding. And he says, "Hello, I'll put her on the phone." <laughs> and. I was like, wow, like we never get anybody on the phone. I mean, it's almost that since we know that's never going to happen, we never asked for it. We didn't know how to ask for it. And the other thing that bothered me in a previous case in the Philippines was uh, in the midst of the case, it got reported back to me that our hostages had been overheard on a phone call. Which blew me away because I thought, what in God's name are they doing on a phone? Who are they talking to? My boss at the time, Gary Nestor, said, you know, nobody, hostage only gets on the phone for proof of life. He says, there's another negotiation going on here that we don't know anything about. Interestingly enough, you know, it's 
it actually happens all the time in the business world. Salespeople know this uh, call is getting single threaded when they're being played off against somebody else. They don't know what to do about it. It was one of the things we learned in that case was how not to get single threaded in a deal. And so I just finished this kidnapping that had gone bad where we couldn't get hostages on a phone, but somebody else did. And now I'm listening to this pig, Pittsburgh drug dealer get the kidnapper to put his hostage on a phone. And, but it was a how question. It was an open-ended question. It was an interrogative, as Jim Camp would say. It was a calibrated question, as I would say. And that's, that was one of the key breakthroughs when I started to look for the overlap. And it was just a simple how question. It's deferential. You know, it, how and what questions are the key in negotiation to either getting things done or it's uh, the, the tools for passive-aggressive negotiation if you're dealing with a cutthroat kidnapper, too. Yeah, and, and those are such good stories. And what I really liked, and and someone's gonna, ha- you're gonna have to read the book, or I, like I did, listen to the book. But what's really interesting is how you not only implement it then, that and tested those, but later on, um, it confirmed your test, which I loved that 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 story of the the kidnapped husband. That was just a fantastic story, and then how you actually went and made sure what you were doing worked. Uh, it's just, it's an, not only is your book an awesome negotiating handbook, but it's an awesome book on how to improve your systems and improve your processes, which I love all along the way. Um, and you know, and you're con and are you still, as you're teaching people and training people, are you still learning in negotiations? Uh, absolutely. And that's why like, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced no one will ever catch up to what we're doing. I mean, I've got this great team. There's three of us now that are that are basically the brain trust. One of them is my son, which means he's been negotiating with a hostage negotiator since he was two. <laughs> you know, to try to he was working out. He started working out deadlines when he was working on his curfew as a teenager, right? <laughs> yeah. And on a on a side note, I'll have to admit that part of the reason I was so attentive. Is because I have a three-year-old, and I'm like, I've got to learn how to negotiate against this kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. It works with them, too. How questions, believe me. Um, but, yeah, we get this great brain trust, and the information is out there. And, and so, we, you know, we get adventurous people that are experimenting with different combinations of what we're doing, or they're following us, and they're reporting back to us. You know, how it's working for them. So, yeah, we're constantly making this better. We're constantly developing it. You know, I'm convinced in any business, if, if you're static, you're going to get passed by. So, yeah, we're, we're evolving. We're getting better. We're getting sharper. And we're learning new ways to do this. Yeah, I think we got a great team. That's awesome. And and if someone wants to get your, nego- your latest negotiating tips, um, you have a newsletter, correct? Right. And, you know, it's a great point because we're constant. the stuff that we're putting out is constantly evolving. It's coming out in the newsletter. Awesome. So, yeah, it's called The Edge. It comes out once a week. Um, and, uh, you know, the simplest way, quickest and easiest way to subscribe to it is to send uh, a text FBI empathy, all one word, you know, no spaces. Your spell check is going to try and autocorrect it to you. But, you know, there's no space in there like one word and send FBI empathy to the number 22828, the number is 22828, and you'll get a a text back to sign up for the newsletter, and and you stay cutting edge with us. Awesome. And um, 
and I, you know, I get this as well. And there's so much good stuff in there. Like the last one, like how to use the, the FBI empathy and empathy, I think is an important, important tactic, both in negotiation and marketing. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How, how do you use F- FBI empathy? Yeah, well, you know, we know too much about empathy these days to think of it in, you know, in the terms from 20 years ago. It's not your grandfather's empathy. <laughs> you know, we, we know what to listen for and we know how to shape people's uh, thoughts. We're listening for the positives and the negatives in their thinking. And we know that they're flip sides of the same coin. You know, everything somebody likes, they have something else they dislike or if somebody expresses a dislike. There's a flip side opposite they like. Um, you know, if there's a sports team, let's say NBA Finals just just finished up. Let's say somebody's somebody's hates the Warriors because they stack their team, and if, and they're and they say, ah, Warriors, it's unfair. You know, they stack the team, and you could say to them, Wow, it sounds to me like you like uh, sports franchises who build their own teams over time. So you can take the sting out of somebody's attack immediately once you begin to understand how some of this works. Or you could say to that person, it sounds to me like you're really a proponent of fairness. Um, you know, there's, uh, so FBI empathy is understanding what the components are, learning about them a little bit in advance, and then listening for them, wait, waiting, for, waiting for that pitch to come that you know you can hit out of the park. And that, so it's a very tactical approach, and it develops relationships very quickly. It saves time. One of my students did a study in Georgetown, and uh, she learned empathy, just like I told her in my class, and she went to a hotline, and then she applied it in business negotiations, and she found that it saved time. Like, it's the delay that saved time. You take a little bit extra time to display some empathy with somebody, then suddenly, bang, 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 your negotiation moves forward much heavier you find another gear by using empathy and it's interesting i don't know if you've ever heard of the empathetic reflex but it, it there's studies that have shown it's the number one predictor of quality relationships between couples and families is if you have that empathetic relationship uh, reflex which is essentially identifying that person's emotion like you just said it's really interesting yeah, that's a that's a perfect description because you know what you want from empathy is empathy in return, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's a reflexive action, and that's why when we talk about you know how do you know that you've uh, displayed empathy to the other person when the other person says that's right to you instead of you're right they say that's right, mm-hmm. and what you get is a reflexive response where now they're cooperative with you, which is what you wanted all along. Yes. And I mean, those are right. Those are the two most important words in any negotiation. And I was going to lead into that, but it it is right. Because that's one of the things I got to. And that was a a big shift in the book for me. And that's where I said, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, that's right is 10 times more powerful than yes will ever be. Because a lot of times somebody says yes to you, they're giving in or. Uh, they're giving you a false agreement, like uh, the fake yes. You know, the number of people, people, number of times people have been told yes, only to find out later it was no, because everybody's great at the counterfeit yes. You never get a counterfeit that's right. Oh, yeah. Nobody ever says counter that's right falsely. And I think this is so critical in all of our 
in everything, marketing, sales is is thinking about how you can get to that because we all want, like you said, you you want to get to yes, and you think yes is the end of the negotiation. And how often have we all had deals that fall through, even though someone said yes? Uh, constantly, I, I I would say it, it's so bad. I would say seventy. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I know a, a major telecom uh, communications company that fully 50% of their deals never get implemented. And so that means that they got a counterfeit yes half the time. Half of their yeses were fake. Wow. Wow. And, and how much money does that cost you to have a fake yes? Because it's better almost at that point to have a no than to have that fake yes and be chasing that fake yes. Right, because when you get a fake yes, now you're throwing um, good money after bad, and and it costs people lots of money. I, I, I got a fifty percent failure rate on fake yeses. Um, it, that's an astronomical sum calculated over the course of a year of somebody's life, let alone their entire business career. It's kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? It is. It is, and. Also now, you know, now I don't even think about that, just the mental energy, because then you get, I mean, the defeat of having a yes and feeling like you had victory is worse than getting the no at the beginning. Yeah, it really, it really, it really is, um, because you got to recover from that. It's very deflating. You know, uh, who knows? Uh, some You get a no and you move on. Like, all right, I didn't love that, but uh, I can move on and I can be productive. But the disappointment from a yes and the feelings of loss are huge. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, boom, boom. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, it, I, I got so excited by the book, um, and I, I went out to my team, and I, t- I started telling them about that's right, and now like my team is like, Are, did you say yes, or did you say that's right? <laughs> <laughs> I just got it like 20 minutes ago, actually, before we got on the call. Um, but uh, you I've always been one of those people. I sold cars. It was my first job when I was 18 or 19 probably. Um, and I was really good at car sales, but I was bad at negotiations. I was really good at listening to people, but I was really – I just I, you know, I just gave up on the negotiations. And I always thought I hated negotiations, but I, I think you really put it in a great point of view. But uh, if you can tell the listeners, how do you get over the idea that you hate negotiating? Yeah, you know, um, it's all in how you, it's all in what's going on in your head. Um, You know, I'm always striving for a better deal. I'm always looking to discover something with the other side. So even when the other side gets really contentious with me, since I know that there's something out there that'll make us both better off, that changes my whole mindset. I mean, I was in a very contentious negotiation just a couple of days ago because, uh, you know, the other side, that was just that was just their style. I mean, they loved to slug it out, and they really wanted to do a deal with us. But I knew there was going to be something great in there that neither one of us would even think about and, until we kicked it back and forth. And, you know, I've always got a view of a higher goal in mind. And you're always going to have something in the back of your mind. Either And it's going to be one of two things. Uh, actually, one of three. The goal you want, which then gives you blinders. Um, the goal, if you want that goal and you're afraid of losing it, now you're a hostage. You're, you're thinking loss. You're running scared. You're really worried. But, you know, my attitude is like, what's cool here that neither one of us see yet? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where, where can this take us both so that we're both ecstatic? And so if you, when I've got that in the back of my mind – 
and I really want to know where you're coming from, and I really want you to get something out of this, then it's not a negative process for me. Now, that takes some purposeful intent on my brain because, you know, my natural default mode is a little more contentious. And every now and then, if I don't watch it, um, you know, I worry about what I might lose. And it's a negative process if you worry about what you're going to lose. And that's why people don't want to engage into it. Um, and if you're worried about losing a relationship, then you can really be taken hostage because, you know, uh, the, the, the cutthroat negotiator on the other side is going to smell that out and he's really going to beat you up in the, in that process. Oh, so, so it's such a great mindset shift. And I think, and you talked about something there, you know, finding the thing that you both don't know. And you talked about that in the book, the black swan, and I'm a big fan of the black swan theory. Uh, those of you that listen, you know, it's Nassim Taleb's theory on it, it. We just don't know what we don't know until you find it. And and you go about finding these negotiations too, don't you? Yeah, and here and here's a great example of that because some people have trouble wrapping our minds around we don't know what we don't know. Uh, just just imagine if you were playing Texas Hold'em, any kind of poker. Instead of being able to use um, the cards that are on the table, what if you could see the other guy's cards and the two of you could can collaborate and I could say, well, you know, I've got I've got a, a deuce, but you've got two deuces that, you know, together we put that together three of a kind, even though those cards aren't great. When we combine them, we got a pretty good hand. And so in every negotiation, there are going to be cards you're hiding. There's going to be information that you're keeping to yourself that you're scared to tell the other side. So by definition, if you're scared to tell the other side, then that means that if you could put it out in the open, it would change things for the better. But you feel like that you would give up all your power. If that's true for you, it's true for them. So you get a collaborative relationship going where the two of you can now compare your hidden cards those are black swans where the overlap in the hidden cards are. If we just could trust the other side or if they could just trust us enough, that's where those unknowns unknowns are. And that's where great things begin to happen. So it's not that much of a stretch to recognize that stuff is always there. You're it just, it's so, I know you say that, but this is where like your negotiations and the ideas behind it are so revolutionary, but it's so subtle in their difference. And it, it's fantastic what you've done, and I really appreciate it. Um, Thank you. Uh, so uh, everyone wants to know how to get the best car- deal on a car, and you have a great story in there uh, <laughs> of buying the car. And it almost makes me feel like I'm like, oh, man, those negotiations were tough. You were brutal on that guy. But can you tell me a little? I mean, if someone, <laughs> if someone wanted – and you were brutal but not in a bad way. You were like you were this brutal <laughs> nice guy, which was really funny because it's like I I grew up. I mean, my father was was in, um, a marine, and then in car sales, and he told me about his negotiations, and it was like that grab you by the throat negotiations, which at least you knew it was happening. This guy, you just you demolished him, and he didn't even know it. So how you know? Give us a little hint because I think someone has to go read the book. But can you give us a little hint into getting the best deal on a car? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, a car, any other negotiation, when you articulate the other side's arguments, 
you don't reinforce their position. You take uh, the wind out of their sails. I mean, you deflate them. I mean, you, you, you give them nothing to say they, because you made their argument for them. And if you make their argument for them and then you say you're still not going to do it, they just don't know where to go because they're not going to repeat what you just said. And, you know, uh, the guy's argument in uh, when I bought my, my truck, which I still have, I love that truck, um, was I said, look, it's a beautiful truck. It's one of a kind. I can't get anywhere else. It's worth everything you're asking for. You know, it's absolutely fantastic. I love it. It's the sexiest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, but I'm sorry. I just, how, how am I supposed to pay that? <laughs> <laughs> and you just kept doing it over and over and over again. And I also think there's an important pricing, and I think people need to read the book. There's an important pricing tactic in there, too, that you say works every time. And I've been actually trying to put that into play myself. But I think that's fantastic. Um, oh, we got, we, got a, we got a pricing strategy just beats high anchors every time. Yeah, so I think that's really cool myself. I kind of get a kick out of that system. Yeah, it's, it's great. And, and it, like you said, systems. And this is a quote, one of, uh, that it, it's a SEAL quote, but I, I've heard it a lot in the best books, and, and you're critical to this too. It's that you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to your training. And I, I think right. that's crucial. So how does someone go about, you know, we, we want to train in negotiations. How do I go about training negotiations? Obviously, I text FBI empathy to 22828 and get the best tactics. But how do I go about training in negotiations? Well, you, you know, it's real simple because um, the awkwardness of a new habit goes away really fast. You just got to get you, you got to get past the initial awkwardness. Like when you're training a new habit and people find it to be very awkward to start with, they go like, "How long is this going to keep up? If this is awkward like this for the next 6 months, I'm not going to do this." But you take a skill that I've given you. Let's say what I want you to do is mirror. And mirror is repeat the last three words of what someone has just said. And that's going to be awkward. You're going to feel stupid. So do it for an hour in a day. Do it over lunchtime. You know, if you should be relaxing over lunch anyway, not trying to get things done. So mirror everybody over lunchtime. See what happens. You got no skin in the game. You're taking a break from things. What will happen will delight you. You can cut out an hour in a given day, an hour that doesn't mean anything to you, an hour that you're going to have interactions with people anyway. You should be having social conversations. You take out it and you test drive that skill just for an hour. What I can promise you is you're going to love the results. Now, let's say you, you, if you're still working on your mirroring skill and say, okay, so I did it for an hour during my lunch hour all week long. Saturday, you know, a down day, it's going to be mirror day. All I'm going to do all week long, all day long, since these are easy conversations and I've had such great progress and great reactions. I'm going to try mirroring all day long on Saturday. By the time that week is out and you get ready to start your next week, you will have nailed that skill. It will become part of your repertoire. You have gotten to yourself uh, from to what we call unconscious competence. You're going to be doing it easy. And that's the way you train. You know, you, you train a little bit each day to get a feel for it. Then you spend a whole day doing it and then bang, it's in your DNA. Oh, the, such great advice. And obviously, you know, once again, if someone wants to get the latest tactics and latest tips from you, FBI empathy to two, two, eight, two, eight. 
Um, and Chris, you, you uh, group, the black swan group. Tell me a little about your services and how someone can work with you. Well, we, uh, we'll find a way to tailor it for you. Whether you're an individual, you know, we've got some, uh, email lessons that come into your email inbox, short, sweet lessons once a day. We've got web-based training that, uh, my director of operations, my son, Brandon runs. Um, that's much more robust, but if it's, you can't, if you can't come to us, um, you want to bring us into your company, we'll come in, we'll do anything from a half a day to three days. If your company can't, if you, uh, company's not going to bring us in, but you want to train with us, you want to train in person, we put on uh, occasional one-day training sessions. Uh, we got one coming up in Washington, D.C. in a couple of months, and the information about that is in the newsletter. So whatever kind of way you want to get better at negotiation, we've got something that's going to fit you that we're going to be able to help you with. Oh, awesome. I'm going to be definitely attending that negotiation uh, boot camp in D.C. It's, uh, it's Chris, Christopher Boss, you've been so awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, absolute pleasure, man. Thank you for having me on. And thank you all for taking Mr. Boss and I on your journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Make sure to sign up for that newsletter. I mean, it, this stuff will change your life. FBI Empathy, the 22828 will be in the show notes. Just click on the image. And thank you for taking Christopher and I on your journey. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. 